Hey there, Misketeers. Welcome back to Missing Out Mondays, where we tell you what we're into. Start your week off right. I'm sorry, Jake. I am Lex Michael. Lex Michael, this week, I'm into something that's been going on for a few weeks. Uh, it's called Watchmen. Oh. It's on HBO. It's not based off of the movie by Zack Snyder, but a direct sequel to the original graphic novel. Uh, this is how I have to talk now. I'm trapped. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, I just caught up this last weekend. We are three weeks into it. Um, as of this recording, uh, we will be four weeks into it. The, because yeah, well, when uh, you Yeah, when you hear this episode, uh, episode four will have aired. Yep. And I believe this season, this first season is nine episodes total. Uh, I believe something like that. Something yeah. like that. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, if you're unfamiliar with the show, it's starring Regina King. Um, it takes place in 2019, um, whereas the original comic book takes place in the 80s. So like a lot of time has passed. Things have changed. The show is super fucking black. Um, the first image you get or the first scenes from the show take place during the Tulsa massacre, which, which was a real thing that mm -hmm. happened. And we're um, seeing on social media how many people had no idea that that was a real thing that happened. I mean, it's not something that I feel like is taught in very many history classes because, as you know, or maybe you don't know, um, a lot of curriculum created in the United States uh, kind of washes over the amount of racism that took place in our history and a lot of the shame that white people feel for having done bad to people of color. And so a lot of the bad stuff um, is really glossed over or not even talked about. Yep. How, um, do, how do we white folks deal with our crippling guilt? We pretend the thing never, ever happened. Yep. Uh, so even in, in like Black History Month, they're like, look over here, Martin Luther King. Oh, boy. Look, look, look at uh, yeah, the man who single handedly defeated racism. Yep. And they're like, Malcolm X. Oh, boy. Look, look at him. He 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 was he was doing stuff. But I mean, but his message was wrong. And you're like, well, I mean, technically what? he had a he had a he had a point. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but white people were like, no, 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 no. Martin Luther King, he, he, he's the good, he's, he's the too, good one. He's too angry. <laughs> he's, just, he's just so angry. He should have been more civil. And you're like, all right, well, teach us about the Tuskegee experiments. And they're like, no, 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 no. That never happened. Oh, no, a lot of them would be like, the what? Right. Like, a lot of them wouldn't even know the shit. Um, but I, I like that uh, this show uh, made a conscious effort to feature that as yes. a very prominent part of of the show and it's one of the first things you see and it allowed people to really uh have to acknowledge that this is a thing that happened in history yes. and that uh if they didn't know about it now they know yep um because it was a very like it was a very tragic thing like the uh black people had built up a community it was known as like black uh black wall street mm -hmm. um and then a bunch of white people were like nah these uppity niggas is uh getting too uppity and then they oh, you said it they killed a bunch of people oh you like you never say it no i you don't said it. but that's how white people was well that's so some white people still are um yes and but beyond that um the uh storytelling is really well done um very well paced um they find a way to build intrigue into 
different aspects of the world building. Yes. And then they will find very clever ways of explaining it or they'll make it very organic to where it's not just someone expositing about things that are happened or have happened in this world, but you get to experience it as part of someone's backstory. Yes. Which I think is a really good way of doing that. Um, And it also finds a way of organically existing in the world that that was built by Watchmen and uh, without being too, uh, I guess, self-referential being like, Oh, no, Dr. Manhattan. Look, look at his dick. It, it's, uh, it, <laughs> it's very restrained in that aspect and really lets you experience the world through the eyes of the people you're um, like, I guess, following in this story. Yes. So uh, it's really well done. It's real. And it is, as you mentioned, uh, it is not a sequel to Zack Snyder's movie adaptation. It is a sequel very much to the original graphic novel as evidenced by, um, without without spoiling anything explicitly from the first episode, uh, Squid Business. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's Squid Business in the air. Squid is in the air, uh, both figuratively and literally. And... Ain't no squid business to be found in Zack Snyder's film adaptation. Right. So, uh, yeah. But the way the way that they weave in uh, references to the original text, I think they do uh, very, very adeptly. The references are constant, near constant, and it never once feels like we're pausing the show or we're we're contriving a moment where we can wink and reference. Like you remember the right. time Rorschach was racist? I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, but like it. It does it so like even if it's even when it's referencing it, it's not like it is a uh, an overt reference. It is a reference because this is in that world. It's like this is something that happened in our history, right? So like for the for us, it is a reference, but for them, it's it's truth and and really tagging up narratively on a lot of the questions that lingered at the end of that original story. Like what is it uh, at the very end of Watchmen, the book, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to, if you haven't read Watchmen, it's one of the better, not just comics, one of the best comics ever written. It's been, in my opinion, one of the better books uh, in modern history uh, without without explaining the circumstances through which this happens. Rorschach's manifesto sort of gets out there into the world at the very right. end of the story. Well, what, for example, is the impact of the manifesto of a guy like Rorschach being published widely? We actually get to see in this story what that might look like, the kind of effect that that might have on certain folks who read it and internalize it in certain ways. Yeah. So uh, I highly recommend it. It's every Sunday on HBO through, uh, I think, through the middle of December. Yeah, I want to say and I want to say it's only about nine episodes. And and again, like I'm Damon Lindelof, who's the showrunner, is uh, much like J.J. Abrams. He's one of the best at building a sense of mystery. Yeah, at setting things up. Now we'll see. We'll we'll see about what kind of payoff that the show offers, if any. Yes. But uh, brilliant at building that anticipation and building that mystery and and doling out information at a rate that it makes it impossible not to desperately want to see what the next thing is. Yeah, I mean that's my one worry is they are they are a certain number of mysteries that we've established just in the first three episodes. 
Um, and I want them to pay off because I'm intrigued and I'm invested, but I also know whom the creator of said mysteries are. And so I, I really hope that the writer's room for this project um, are understand the context in which people are coming into it and have the season mapped out. Yes, ho- hopefully. Uh, and I guess my, my one last big thought is uh, I, I don't want to, I feel like to talk much at all about Jeremy Irons' character on this show would be to spoil things, and I don't want to do that. I want people to be able to, to discover things on their own. But goodness gracious, does it seem like Jeremy Irons is having a ball here? Yes. Um, I mean, I would say that like the biggest unspoilery thing I could say is that like he, he finds a way to be both delightful and slightly sinister, like, like most Jeremy Irons characters. Um, he's, he's so delightful and the way that he interacts with people is, um, like it's, it's sometimes it's laugh out loud hilarious and sometimes it's like very disturbing and and you're like only he could pull off that dichotomy yes and he is he's clearly having a great time playing this role and he's he is so much fun to watch and he he needs to be because so far in the story it does seem like all of his business is somewhat separate from everybody else's business right so if you want especially because everything that's going on with uh, with Regina King's character, now with with Gene Smart's character, with uh, their investigations and and with the the continual expansion of the world and the story they're telling, you really you need something. If we're gonna take a break from all that and go over here to whatever this dude's doing, you need like a Jeremy Irons to make that as equally uh, equally as compelling right. as everything else. And and through his performance alone, Jeremy Irons manages to make all of those sequences feel as essential as everything else yeah so lex michael what are you into this week well what i'm into this week is uh mike flanagan's movie dr sleep the the sequel to the shining uh both stanley kubrick's film version of the shining and stephen king's novel the shining uh the the two of which diverge greatly from each other in the third act and Mike Flanagan is now tasked with the responsibility of trying to reconcile those two separate shining identities and try and unify them into one cohesive story that both adapts Stephen King's novel, Dr. Sleep, a sequel to, follow me on this, a sequel to his original novel with one ending and make this adaptation a sequel to Kubrick's The Shining, a totally different interpretation of the story mm-hmm. with a very different ending. Okay. Dude crushes it. Does he? Oh, in my opinion, dude crushes it. It's a shame. It doesn't look like, unfortunately, the movie's going to do great business, which is a huge bummer to me. I think Mike Flanagan's one of the best doing it right now. He's the guy who did Haunting of Hill House for Netflix, which I can't recommend highly enough. It's an excellent, excellent, excellent big piece of uh, long-form horror storytelling. Yeah. Uh, he also did Gerald's Game for Netflix, another Stephen King adaptation uh, of a story that many people thought was unadaptable. Dude crushed that too. Before that, he did Hush. He did Oculus. Um, Before I Wake, I believe. But dude is a, a masterful director. And working on Gerald's Game, I think, is where he first sort of developed a relationship with Stephen King. Stephen King was super happy uh, with the Gerald's Game adaptation. He famously doesn't. He's not super hot on most adaptations of his own work. Very famously 
not super hot on Stanley Kubrick's adaptation of The Shining, which he felt took far too many liberties with his source material. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get why it would it would feel a little bit more uh, a little bit more harsh personally for Stephen King insofar as parts of the Jack Torrance character in that original novel were autobiographical. Like he was struggling with alcohol and he was struggling with a bit of a toxic relationship with his immediate family. Right. So I, I get why maybe it would it would feel even more personal if you take that character and change what uh, King originally wrote. Yeah. So Mike Flanagan is is tasked with the responsibility of reconciling both versions. How how do I adapt King's novel faithfully, and how do I also sequelize Kubrick's movie version? Um, as I said, I think he did a great job, but he also was able to please uh, King himself. Stephen King has gone on the record saying he likes this adaptation of Dr. Sleep so much that it it redeems all of the problems, the big problems that he had with Kubrick's movie version of The Shining. Interesting. That's high praise. Now, granted, my guy was out there beating the drum for the Dark Tower movie before that came out, too. But... I do think the final product bears out his enthusiasm in this case. Yeah. Now, uh, this sequel is is set more or less in the present, where you have Ewan McGregor playing a grown-up Dan Torrance. Danny Torrance obviously being the little kid from the original movie. And it's essentially, it's a, a different type of story. It's a story about uh, basically this group, this, this organization called the True Knot. Uh, that travel around trying to find people who have the shining and essentially feeding off of them so that they can stay youthful and young forever. And it's about uh, Dan Torrance having to, in a great many ways, finally confront the traumas of his childhood. One of my favorite things about the movie is that you can read all of the supernatural stuff and take it at face value, but it, a lot of it also works just as well as metaphor uh, for for coping with the trauma of being a child of an alcoholic parent okay. and how those scars stay with you and how you can try to lock them away and suppress them. But eventually it's, it's all going to come out as something you need to confront. And I, I found that aspect of it really compelling i'm a big fan when you, when you can use horror as an allegory for real like for genuine trauma like that those are usually my favorite horror stories yeah um and i thought they did a really great this is i'm sure stuff from the source material but i thought uh he did a really great job adapting all of that ewan mcgregor is great uh all of the stuff that is directly lifted from the shinings unlike kubrick's book there's still a hotel at the end of uh unlike king's book rather yeah. uh you understood yes unlike king's book and kubrick's movie the hotel still stands at the end so we're actually able to and you see it in the trailers and stuff this ain't a spoiler uh, we're able to go back to the overlook and we're able to have uh, uh, our big showdown in this familiar setting and i think the way they create recreated a lot of the stuff from the original movie is is very masterful it's fun it's scary it's more scary in an existential conceptual way than like boo scary and stuff yeah. but the the characters are super compelling. The performances, obviously, the cast is led by Ewan McGregor, but the performances are across the board great. Uh, you've got Rebecca Ferguson as Rose the Hat, who's sort of the the de facto leader of this True Knot group. That's that's uh, you know sort of our oppositional force in the movie. Yeah. Uh, you've got Zahn McLaren, uh, who I really first noticed in season two of Fargo as a character called Crow Daddy. I'm legally changing my name to Crow Daddy, by the way, uh, who is sort of her second in command. 
Okay. Uh, you've got Carl Lumley uh, returning, returning. The character of Dick O'Halloran returns in this movie, played by Carl Lumley. Now, Scatman Crothers played the character in the original movie. Yeah. Scatman Crothers no longer with us to reprise yes. the role. Uh, this is uh, another way in which the the book and Kubrick's movie diverge is uh, regards the character of O'Halloran. So how do you reconcile these two separate fates for this character, depending on which version of the story you prefer to include him in this adaptation? Because the character does feature in Dr. Sleep. Mike Flanagan finds a, a pretty simple way, simple and elegant way to reconcile those two things as well. Uh, I dig it a lot. I have not read Dr. Sleep, the novel. A lot of people talk about it as if uh, they, they perceive it as quote unquote lesser king. But the, the consensus surrounding the movie is pretty much that Mike Flanagan took everything that worked about the novel and elevated it. Okay. And I think the final product really, really works. I am looking forward to watching it again because I didn't know much of anything about the story of Dr. Sleep before I went and saw it. Now that I know what the movie is, I'm looking forward to going back and revisiting it because I feel like it is going to hit me harder the second time, especially when I can read it so easily as a story that more than it is about supernatural malevolence, it's about a guy confronting his personal trauma. You know what I mean? Like, and going back to the source, if you will, of his personal trauma and having to confront his, well, his ghosts, you know, but literal or metaphorical. Yeah. Uh, I think they did a really really great job i recommend it i want i want people to go out and support it it's not didn't do a whole lot of business over the weekend and that's a real shame because we don't get too many big budget sort of thoughtful interesting movies for adults lately yeah you don't see them too often right and the less business they do the fewer of them you're gonna see right the same thing happened with like mad max fury road probably the best movie that came out that year didn't do the business it probably should have same thing happened with blade runner 2049 one of the best movies of that year didn't do the business it should have it's happening it's happening now folks get get out there and watch it go go check it out it's it's pretty good and uh, obviously it benefits greatly if you are familiar with the story of the shining i'd be curious if if anybody listening goes and checks out dr sleep having no previous familiarity with the shining tell me what that's like i'm i'm real curious but everybody seriously go out buy a ticket it's well worth it it's a real good time at the movies it's it's a interesting story the visuals are dope and it does it gave me a lot to chew on like i i saw it last night and i keep thinking about aspects of the movie that i i didn't even realize in the moment were resonating with me the way that they did and i can't shake it's it's a cool flick go support it because i want more movies like it okay cool um speaking of movies like it (laughs) that was good it was very good thank you i was like i i just sort of like i just gave you a little soft little soft toss and you swung that bat so hard yeah and i can't sit like that ball went so far Mm -hmm. like whoever whoever that ball hits in the head thereby rendering brain damage beyond the point of salvation. Yeah. We're going to get off scot-free because that ball is so far away. Yeah. No one will ever tie us to it. That's how hard you hit that ball. I, I, I set you up, but then like you took it and did so much more with it. Like the, the person you've debilitated for life is at least 16, 17 miles from here. I definitely don't like my part in this <laughs> analogy. Um, so I'm just going to keep this transition going. Um, Speaking of Dr. Sleep, uh, tomorrow we're going to be talking about The Shining. It's called a tie-in. 
Ah, yeah. Um, we're we're going to be tying up our, all our thoughts about <laughs> The Shining and putting them in a nice, fun show for you um, to launch tomorrow. And don't worry, we won't overlook any detail. Ooh. See, I just did a you. Thank you. I just did a you. It was really well done. I hang out with you way too fucking much, dude. I'm not I'm not proud of myself in this moment. I mean, you should be. I think I think it makes you a better person. Um I think yeah, I'm there's a, there's a heaviness on my soul. You're welcome for for helping you out uh and making you better as a human being, Lex. Um Guys, if you want to tell Lex how much he's how much better he's become because of his existence around me, you can do so. Where can they do that, Lex? Uh, if if you really are so inclined, uh, Twitter and Instagram at the Lex Michael. You can also talk to him about Doctor Sleep if you've seen it. Um, no spoilers in the general feed, but if you want to DM him, you can do so there. Um, just because I haven't seen it yet, and I'm gonna see it soon. Uh, and then you can find me at Tari J, T-E-R-I-J-A-Y. You can't talk to me about Dr. Sleep yet because I haven't seen it again, but you can talk to me about Watchmen, especially if you get to the third episode and you're like, oh, oh, snap. Um, please let's talk about that. Oh, oh, snap stuff. Cause I, I'm, I'm all about it. Um, if you want to talk, also want to talk to me about how black it is, bro, hit me up. You can do so in my DMs or you can do so, uh, on my general feed. I don't remember if I said my handle, but I'm going to say it again. <laughs> Tari J. T-U-R-I-J-A-Y. Um, but most importantly, you can hit us up at Missing Outcast. M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. Um, so don't forget, talking about The Shining tomorrow. Make sure to tune in because we go we go deep, baby. We go as deep as the, all the crazy, crazy theories they have about this movie. Um, so we'll see you tomorrow. Until then, bye. Elegant. Thanks. <laughs>